Thanks for listening to The Gathering from Storyline Church. Your story matters. Each journey is unique to the individual, but what is true for all of us is the power of grace to change and affect our lives. This past week at The Gathering, we got to hear from five fellow Storyliners as they share the stories of how grace changed their story. The band performed songs by Matij Yahoo, Joy Williams, and more. Let's have a listen. I try to bring a soothing rest 
Thank you, Sinai. Thank you, Jamin. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's uh, another beautiful Sunday morning together. Again, thanks to Jamin and Sinai. They stepped in this morning, um, and he's, he's not going to like that I mentioned this, but our friend Mike Cook is currently running the New York City Marathon, like as we speak. Um, pretty impressive. Uh, so if you, if you can, just send him a good thought. Just send, him, just send good energy out into, into that, because that sounds really hard. Um, and not like something that would be entertaining at all. So, um, yeah, he's going to need some good energy. Uh, we've got something really, really fun planned, planned for us this morning, and so I, I, hope, I hope you're as excited as I am. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube, uh, regrettably. Um, it's just kind of on in the background as I'm working or not working or scrolling as I'm staring at my little screen. I've got my big screen up there with, like, YouTube golf highlights or you know, bass pedal reviews, just really random stuff. Um, but for those who are familiar with the YouTube um, environment, every five to six seconds or so, there's a series of commercials that'll play um, three, four at a time. And one of the commercials that continues to come up, I don't even know what it's an ad for. I don't know the name of the company. Again, I'm not watching. I'm just scrolling as YouTube plays in the background. But one of, one of the lines in this advertisement, it says... Those who love the journey will go further than those who love the destination. And that's, that's really, really, really stuck with me. I, like, I looked up and I still, again, I still don't know what the advertisement is for. It's like immersion baths or something like that. Um, which I have no idea how that's connected to that line. But those who love the journey, those who love the journey will go further than those who love the destination. And so this morning, as we put a final bow 
on our series, Grace Changes Everything. We've invited uh, some, of, some of our Storyliner friends, five of our Storyliner friends who are gonna come, and they're gonna share their story of their journey, right? These are not folks who've arrived at any destination necessarily, but are, but are falling in love with the journey of grace that God has put them on. And so this morning you're gonna hear from our friends Michelle Ashton and Mark and Sherry Maxwell, Lori Miller, Mike Heston, and Tiffany Armstrong as they share their story of how grace changes their everything. Good morning, Storyline. I assume you're out there in the shadows. My name is Michelle Ashton. I'm gonna share a little story today um, of how grace changed me and my parenting. Parenting is hard, as many of you in this room are probably very well aware of. My husband and I definitely found parenting to be a challenge, starting from pretty early on. Um, when, our boys, but when our boys were about three and a half and five years old, and we had a new infant daughter, I was staying home as a full-time mom and we reached an all-time low. We, or maybe I, was, were stuck in a cycle of, downward cycle of focusing on our children's bad behaviors and always trying to change them. My husband and I had tried multiple systems of incentives, rewards, punishments, pleading, <laughs> begging. Um, at the time, our boys were into pirates, so we used gold doubloons as a reward that they would earn for good behavior and they would lose for bad behavior. We put these little magnets on the back of them and would stick them up on the refrigerator. And they could earn them and then they would lose them. Um, and it seemed like almost every day something would happen where I would have to take off all the gold doubloons. They would lose them all. And then once they ran out of gold doubloons, it was almost like we had to go into negative numbers. I would start keeping tally marks on the, this is embarrassing, I have to tell you, but I mean tally marks on the empty gold doubloon chart whenever they would have, one of them would have some kind of outburst that couldn't go without mention of how horrible it was. Then, like I said, I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, and each evening when my husband would come home from his long day of work, 45-minute commute home, I would literally greet him at the door before he even sits down and tell him, all the negative things that had happened that day and how many tally marks were on that gold doubloon chart um, and everything I had dealt with that day from our children. My negative focus was bringing everyone in the family down. Then one day, an idea came to me, and, and I say came to me because I have no idea where it came from. It was definitely not from me. Um, but I had this idea, what if I started looking for good in my child and focused on that? What if instead of keeping tally marks of the wrongs they committed, I started keeping track of good things they did? And so was born the Good Job Book. And early this morning in the attic, I discovered the original Good Job Book here from 2015. Or early 2016, I suppose. Anyway. Um, each day, I started paying close attention to positive, anything positive that my child did. Progress, improvement, growth, even the tiniest little thing that I could praise. And trust me, these things were always, not always easy to find. Um, I'll read you a couple of examples. You were kind to all the kids at the Curious Kids Museum, even when one kid took your car. Um... You bravely played outside in the cold when it was really, really cold. You found a choking hazard on the floor and picked it up to protect your baby sister. I won't share any of the more embarrassing ones, but little things, any little thing I could find. And throughout the day, I would write these things down. As they happened, I would point them out to the boys and praise them in real time as they were doing this thing. And then at the end of each day when Tim walked in the house after work, I would have Tim 
well, either when he walked in or maybe at bedtime, read each boy's list to him so that Tim could also celebrate the good jobs with the boys. The shift that occurred was remarkable. The boys noticed what I was noticing. Pretty soon they started asking me, Mommy, will you put that in the good job book? Or how many good jobs do I have so far today? And because I saw good in them, they started to see more good in themselves. And my attitude changed towards them as well. And trust me, there were still plenty of bad behaviors, but I stopped focusing on them and I chose to look for good things. As I chose to look for those good things, my opinion of my children was transformed. During those first five years of motherhood, I often found myself in a me versus my child mindset, power struggles. I was supposed to win over this toddler. But a shift came when I started to understand that it's not me against him, it's me for him. This is one of the multitude of ways that parenting has taught me what the God of grace really is like. He's not sitting up in heaven making tally marks of my mistakes. He's not up on his throne waiting for someone to walk in the room so he can say, you are not going to believe what Michelle Ashton did today. It was horrible. Instead, God is up there keeping a good job book. Not because my good jobs outweigh my bad, not because my good jobs are anything spectacular, like, you know, turning off the screen without having a fit. Those are the things. But because God is for me, he sees good in me. He wants to help me become the best version of myself, the version that he created me to be. And when he looks at me, he doesn't focus on my failures, but on my successes. He sees me not as who I am right now, but as the best person I can become, the person that he created me to be. That's how grace has changed my parenting um, and how grace has changed me. Thank you. Good morning. I am uh, Mark Maxwell. And I'm Sherry Maxwell. Uh, we are better known as uh, Mike Maxwell's mom and dad. I know Mike and Fame are out there. Glad you're here. All right. Uh, we've been coming to Storyline for a few years. We moved here uh, permanently three years ago uh, to be with our family. Um, a year ago, uh, I was diagnosed with severe kidney disease. Uh, I am now on a waiting list for a kidney transplant. This was incredibly uh, shocking news to me as I've been a health nut most of my life or tried to be. They have no reason for it, uh, no cure for it at this point, although I'm hoping the great physician will come through for me. Uh, this is new territory for me. Uh, I've always had a hard time asking for help. Um, I've been the one that takes care of everybody else. And now I'm in this position where I need to be prayed for, cared for, and it was very difficult for me. Uh, Sherry and I decided that we needed to let this be known uh, to our community. And when Mark was first diagnosed, we told our family, asked them to be praying for us. I also shared with the women that meet at Joy Bancroft's house for the Bible study, asked them to be praying, and of course I knew that they would. We left for Florida in January, and we were feeling pretty anxious because we were going to be gone for two months, and we would be away from Mark's doctors and the care back in Michigan, but we went anyway. Um, while we were down there, we made the decision to really put the word out, and one of the first people I touched base with was Lisa Gathright. Lisa wasn't at Joy's when I announced it to the ladies, and I really wanted her and Mike to be uh, totally covering us in prayer. I also shared with several people that we knew from the Detroit area, from our church that we used to go to, and same thing, knew that they would be faithfully praying for us. But while we were away, after the, after the word got out, um, we, we received text messages and emails and um, 
all kinds of scriptures with encouraging messages. So we knew people were faithfully praying for us. We experienced a peace and a strength that, that we knew God had us covered. When we returned back home in March, we started regularly going to the gathering that met at the market. And we developed some friendships and got to know people there. And we shared our story, they shared their stories, and we began to connect and form a strong bond. We lifted them up in prayer, and we knew that they would lift us up in prayer. We became a strong support system for each other as we developed our friendships. Throughout all this, we felt that God wanted us to lock arms and truly be connected with each other. We have a sense that this is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. And we're, as a result of this, we're very grateful and um, thankful for all the prayer warriors that um, Storyline has. Well, two things really uh, stood out for me. Uh, first, the, the prayers were extremely powerful. I'd never been prayed for in this manner. Uh, it was just amazing how, how well uh, this worked. Uh, a peace came over me that I, I really couldn't understand. It was obvious that God's comforter had come. I, I realized that God gives us grace and the Holy Spirit too. Um, John 14, verse 26 says that uh, God will send an advocate to us, a counselor, a comforter. And as we go on this walk of grace, we don't do it alone. Uh, God's Spirit is with us, and God's Spirit will come just by asking. The next was uh, we developed such a large support system. People praying and caring for us, and we began to share and connect with them. It was, it was God with us. Also in John 14, it talks about God being with us and in us. And there's power in that, the power of connection, the power of we. I believe the body of Christ manifests God's power. I was so afraid at first when the fear began to melt away. I wasn't afraid of dying anymore. I could feel God's love and the power of connection. God with us and in us was working together. Timothy 1 verse 7 says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind or self-control in some translations. I was feeling God's power and love through connection, and fear was replaced by the peace of God. It really was a peace that, that passes understanding. So having God's grace and, and God's spirit with us, uh, it just began to compel the, compelling us to look outward, to really uh, be conduits, to think about being conduits. The life of grace is one that's really other-directed, outward-directed. And you look in Scripture, and, and what does Scripture have the body of Christ do? Well, things like praying for one another, serving one another, loving one another, uh, and forgiving one another. There's so many scriptures on, on forgiveness. And forgiveness is such a key aspect because we need to forgive in our lives. And if we don't, if I think God's grace gets blocked, if we hold resentment and bitterness in us, it's a cancer on our soul. We must deal with these things to let God's grace flow. By becoming other-oriented, uh, we connect with God and one another. That's how you become a conduit. What do conduits do? Well, conduits, they connect. And the power of connection, I think that's where the abundant life lies. Uh, to paraphrase uh, John 7, verse 38, um, he who believes in me, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. We're given God's grace to give it away. It flows outward. And if it becomes insular, it becomes more of, of us, more of man and not of God. It becomes something that's not of God if it turns too insular. God with us and God in us, when it's connected, is the true body of Christ. And I think within that, we manifest God's power. Because the Holy Spirit has, has gifts for each one of us to give. So I have a few thoughts about we. I think about we a lot. And uh, starting, starting out, uh, you, know, you think about uh, God. Well, God is the original we. 
uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a, it, he, God's a we. And uh, God wants us to have a lot of we in our lives, whether it be family, friends, uh, storyline. And we need to nurture those we's in our life. Because as human beings, we are wired for connection. Uh, next, to find yourself, and what I mean by that is to find your, your sense of purpose. You have to become part of things that are bigger than you. It's one of the mantras I've lived my life by. Um, I think we're at our best when we're part of a group. We thrive when we're connected to others, when we're part of a team. Anyone who's been on a sports team or part of a work team or any kind of team working together, meshing skills and talents together, a whole that is far superior than some of his parts. Well, these things bring out the best in us. Well, why is that? Because our sense of purpose can be easily found there. And in the body of Christ, everybody counts, everybody matters, because God has given to each of you gifts, talents, and a purpose for the benefit of everyone. Each one here, each one of you, has something to give to everyone else. And everyone matters. No one is discounted here. That's what Sherry and I are learning to do, sharing what God is teaching us and supporting others whenever we can. I think within we, you find your best me. You know, you weren't meant to do this alone. All of us have issues and problems and, and things in our life where we need help. The first thing that needs to be done is you just let, let th tell somebody let things be known. Don't handle it by yourself. We're not meant to handle it by ourselves. Ask for prayer. Pray for others. Seek help and support. Support others too. I think we need to develop a we mindset. and That's what I try to do. Uh, whenever making any decision, consider the we part of it. Whether it be your family, friends, or storyline, or whatever we you're in. Along with the me. You have to ask yourself the question, what can I give to this rather than what's in it for me? We is extremely powerful because it's God with us and God in us as God has promised us. And this demonstrates the power of God. Receiving God from others uh, through their spiritual gifts and finding our purpose by giving to others, that's really the abundant life. In closing, uh, we're so grateful and we're so thankful for each of you. We're so grateful and thankful to be part of Storyline. Thank you very much. Hey, good morning. My name is Lori Miller, and I'm just gonna jump in. So I'm gonna take you guys through where part of my story began. Um, I call it the wilderness season. So we've been through many different seasons of our lives. For me, the wilderness season is one that you probably can relate to. It's lonely, um, you're walking alone, you feel invisible, there's not a lot of answers to what's going on around you. And for me, I felt like this is a very dangerous place to be if you're there too long. Um, it was a surprise season for me. I didn't see this coming. Um, I did a really great job at concealing things, um, having the capacity to run on empty for a very long time, or so I thought, right? You know, people around you, your closest family and friends can tell. But the reality was, I'm in my late 20s, and I'm going through a divorce. My husband at the time was diagnosed with a multiple personality disorder. Um, and it was challenging, and it was scary, and there was a lot of unknown things happening around me. I started to get stuck in this wilderness season, um, and I was struggling to figure out what changes to make in my life to get out of it. And at the time, I had zero relationship with God or faith, didn't think about it, um, didn't talk about it, nothing at all. Then... A series of events started happening in my life. Um, and I should preface this with, I'm a very, very type A person, so I need control. When I wake up in the morning, I have a plan, I have an agenda for the day. So the next series of events that took place in my life were extremely, extremely tough for me to go through. 
So what happened first was my 30th birthday. Um, it was one of the saddest days I can remember. Um, it was a horrible time in my life, what I was going through. Um, I'd recently left my um, husband at the time. I left my condo in Chicago, all of my things. I was crowd surfing on friends' apartments until I could find a place to go. I was hiding in the suburbs with my family. Um, it was total disorganization. It was chaos in my life. My friends literally drug me out of that city, and they brought me to a town I'd never been to before called St. Joseph, Michigan. And I was, it was a very cold day. Uh, we were walking on the beach at Silver Beach, um, and you can see these are some of my best friends from Chicago. And I was crying as we were walking down the beach, which was the new normal for me, which is like every day, all day. And um, then something happened. I smiled. I laughed. Um, it was the first time in a really, really long time that I had had that moment. And it was conflicting because it felt so wrong, but it felt so right. And we've all kind of been there before. And what, what does this mean? And I kept thinking to myself on that beach that day that there was a story unfolding in front of me. But I didn't know where it was going, and I didn't know how to get there. And not having that control again, type A, was really, really challenging for me. And then I met the little blue wool cot, as my family and friends called it. Um, this is the second time I ever came to St. Joseph, Michigan. <laughs> my mom and I drove out. It was March 2020, during the middle of COVID, but we had no traffic, so it was great. And we drove out together, and we went, and we toured these homes. And I have no idea why. It was just like, I'm going to this town. I'm going to buy this house. And it felt so right at the time. And it was like, looked at the house, put an offer in, they accepted it. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never done this before. My mom's like, maybe we should drive around the neighborhood, make sure this is like a good place to be. Like, we don't know what we're doing. By the way, she ended up moving here like a couple weeks after that anyway. So it was, it was like total chaos. Um, and then the, the next thing happened. And this is like the big scary day. This was, this was a really hard one. This was court day. This was when everything was really coming to a head for me. Um, it was a virtual court day because of COVID. It was very, very early in the morning. It was dreadful. Um, and I represented myself. I was up there alone, um, not really knowing what I was doing. But, you know, again, type A, independent, strong person, right? Had to do it. Um, and then for no reason at all, I decided to jump in my car and um, I drove to Manistee National Forest and I did the one thing that my family absolutely hates and that's uh, go off the grid, go hiking by myself with no cell service for like eight hours. Um, and they were really, you know, they don't like when I do those things. I do it often, but <laughs> um, out there I was, I really had this realization like I was alone, like really, really alone. Um, and I took these pictures because it was a beautiful day and then it got really, really dark and scary and it poured. And then I got in my car and I was driving and there was like this very clear wall of like a rainbow, like inviting me back to St. Joe. And I crossed over and then there was this beautiful sunset that welcomed me home. And I just remember thinking like, this is just such a weird day. Like This is really, really weird that this is happening. And I took those pictures in that moment to remember it. And then the next weird thing happened, and this is, this is like the strangest, this is where it got really hard for me. Um, I got a message from somebody that I had known, like a blast from the past, um, a girl I hadn't spoken to since elementary school or middle school, um, and she reaches out to me on Instagram, of all places, and she sends me this message that's up on the screen for you guys. And I really thought to myself, like, who in the world does this girl think she is? <laughs> it's like so livid. You know, she poking her, her nose into my business. I was at such a vulnerable place in my life. Um, and that's the thing about grief, right? You go through various stages. And mine was kind of lingering around for a couple of years. And at first, I blew it off. I thought it was so inappropriate. Um, but then after a couple of days, I decided to respond to her. And... You know, we go back and forth, and I kid you not, she starts to tell me that she's going through a divorce with her husband, who had the same exact multiple personality disorder that I had experienced with my ex-husband. And 
then the next thing I know, we're, we're making it a little bit more official. Like we're doing FaceTimes with each other and like spending time with each other. And she starts sending me podcasts and sermons and, and you know, and then she like comes out of nowhere and she asks me questions about my faith. Um, and, you know, that was new for me. And it was a new direction of conversation and trust and kind of re, I guess, kindling this world that I had walked away from so long ago. And um, she encouraged me to do um, a Bible study and a devotional just to kind of have like a soft landing, like soft intro into it. And uh, before like really hitting me with like the hard Bible, right? And, um, you know, we talked about how you could run to God or you could run from God. And it was a concept that was really hard for me to connect with. Um, but I was asked about my story and how that changes my perspective on things. And the wilderness season for me was just, I was focusing too much on my past. And I was trying to go through these storms alone. And what I really needed at the point where I was like absolutely broken and really suffering was I need to walk through these storms with God. And I need to allow him to show me what his plan was and to rebuild me. And it was his plan, not type A, Lori party of one plan. It was his plan that I had to follow. So I think what I learned um, going through all this was your past is your past. Sometimes it's okay to leave it there. Um, and you just have to get on with the future part. God's grace has allowed me to feel like I can actually do that and release this burden that I felt I was going to carry indefinitely with me for the rest of my life. I've realized that God has placed you exactly where you were meant to be in that moment. Um, in the circumstances that you find yourself in, those are all part of his plan. And the Bible, which, by the way, I started to read, um, is not once have I read in there that you should feel stressed out, that you should lose sleep over what you're going through, that you should worry about it. Um, but it actually reinforces that there is a plan. There's always been a plan. There always will be a plan. And the seasons that God takes us through, um, even the ones that we don't prefer or we don't see coming, are preparation. And I was dropped into a season, and I knew that he <clears throat> was giving me an opportunity to deal with the things that weren't going to be able to move forward with me in my future. And I'm thankful for that relationship because I was focusing so much on, like, where are the opportunities, where are the doors opening, but God was actually closing a lot of opportunities for me, closing a lot of doors for me. And I just didn't understand why those things were happening. And so in the new season that I'm in, um, I'm seeing unexpected opportunities um, coming my way, some unusual favor being poured out, the doors that were slammed closed are opening and inviting me in. Um, I've been promoted to the president to run the company I've loved and worked for dearly over the last 10 years. I've had opportunities to travel abroad with my family to various different countries. Um, my absolute favorite and most valuable door that opened was when God brought back the idea of marriage and family that I had thought I'd walked away from forever. And he introduced me to Guy Miller, who was just this like total townie and local that I met here. Um, and it was, it was super weird that this was working out. And, you know, and, and by the way, Guy had asked me to do the one thing that my family hates, like, let's go hiking at Grand Mere off the grid with no cell service for six hours, you know, and get to know each other. So my family was a little skeptical about that. But um, I tested God's grace that day. And I vehemently tried to push all my problems and all my challenges to this person I was just meeting for the first time. Like, I have a lot of baggage. There's a lot of problems. I don't think you want to do this. Like, let's stop before we start kind of attitude. And um, I was met with acceptance. I was met with um, grace. I was met with a man of God who had clearly chosen to grow closer to God pursue him daily, and it was inspiring because I had never had that in my life. Um, and he's the one who invited me here to Storyline um, to reinvest and join the community. And um, so from here on out, um, we just kept keep letting God reveal the next step of the plan. 
um, when that door closes, we know that the next door will be opening for us, and we can walk through it knowing that his grace is freely given to us um, during all these times. Thank you. Good morning, Storyline. Oh, it's really brighter than I thought it would be up here. Whew. My name is Michael Heston. My family and I have been attending Storyline for a little over a year, I believe. I think they're up there. Anyone that knows me knows I'm absolutely terrified to speak in public. I am. My heart is pumping through my chest. Um, I just took four drinks of water and I'm still dry throat, but I'll be up here. Anyway. This is the only time I've ever wished that Storyline embraced some of the traditional church traditions because I could really use some communion wine this morning. <laughs> Would have really helped. <laughs> anyway, Paul said if I use that, he was going to throw me in this pit down here, so uh, cut my eye out. Anyway, up to about two years ago, um, I really had zero interest in church. Um, I grew up in a Baptist church. Uh, whole family went, you know, traditional church, and there was nothing wrong with it. Just as a kid, we didn't have kid port. There was no, nothing to play, nothing to do. It was, it was boring, but it taught us good morals and values. Um, sorry, I'm working through this. It's a lot brighter than I thought it was going to be, and it's hard to see. Um, and I mixed up my notes. Anyway, it wasn't something I wanted to believe in. I really didn't want to believe in God. It was something I blamed all my problems on. Um, I planned to stay in that belief. I really didn't have any interest in religion. My negative outlook started on religion as a young teenager. We grew up, like I said, in church. Um, after 11 years of weekly church, I was blindsided. My parents announced they were getting divorced. We had no idea. My dad at the time was a superstar dad. Which I think you'll see him up there. He coached all of our sports. He coached our cousin's sports. He was involved in every activity. I have fond memories of him, you know, listening to music on the way to hockey practice or coaching or breakfast. Um, the thought of divorce did hurt, but didn't come close to what would happen next. Over the next few years, my father decided he didn't want anything to do with his children. He had abandoned us. He had left us. As you can imagine, there was some backlash. I was a 13-year-old boy, father had abandoned him. I, I got in some trouble. I hung out with the wrong crowd. Um, I had a hard time with it. So was my mom doing the best she can to help. She sent me to a seven-day Adventist boarding school, which means you live at the school. It was pretty strict, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but we had fun. Um, again, thinking that the morals and values of religion would help me and guide me, which Sounded about right, but unfortunately that didn't work at all. I ended up getting expelled two years in a row and uh, was asked not to come back. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I just couldn't embrace religion. Um, I had so many questions. Why would God allow this to happen to me? You know, how could I be my whole life in church taught about, you know, faith, community, love, compassion, helping one another when I'm the poster boy for somebody who needs that and somebody who needed religion or someone to, to reach out to me and, and comfort me and bring me in and all I received was shunned, pushed away, pushed aside. So after that school, I really had no interest in God. What had God done for me? Um, my umbrella term was, that's ah, God's fault. So you might be asking yourself, how did someone so closed off to religion come to Storyline? Well, here's the story. My wife, Chelsea, and I have an amazing six-year-old daughter, Amelia, which I think you'll see up there with her pet bunny. That's Bun Bun. Anyone that has ever met Amelia knows she's a very quiet girl, which is okay. We love her for that, and I think it's pretty cool. She chooses to talk when she wants to. Nothing wrong with that. Um, because of that, though, we try to encourage her to socialize and friends events and hang out. And, you know, we don't push her, but whenever she's okay with it, we, we try to participate. So one weekend I was out of town, and Chelsea calls me and says, hey, we're going to go to church. I said, what? I don't have any interest in going to church. And I actually thought to myself, thank God, I'm out of town. 
I mean, I didn't want to go. <laughs> it's the last thing I was into. So Amelia had met a new friend at school, and her name was Danny. Danny and her mom, Belinda, had invited Chelsea and Amelia to come to church. Danny had told Amelia about Kidport. She said, it's so much fun, you gotta come. So Amelia's like, I gotta go to Kidport, Dad. I'm like, well, thank God Mom's taking you. So they went, and they ended up having an amazing time. They loved it. Chelsea loved the speech. Amelia loved the play with the kids. And for us, that was a win-win. They called me after, and Amelia said, Dad, you have to go next week with me. You have to go. Immediately, of course, I'm a dad. I said, absolutely. You know, I don't want to be a terrible dad. Who says no to that? So in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, no. I don't want to go to church. Why do I got to go? As the Sunday approached, I also realized that Chelsea was going to be out of town. So not only did I have to take Amelia, but I had to take her by myself to church, which I swore I was never going to go. And I genuinely contemplated. I thought, if I just take her, I got a name tag. I could just go sit in the car, maybe, and drink coffee for an hour, so I don't have to sit in there. But I didn't. I went. Um, and I actually enjoyed it. It was a great speech. It was more about you know, personal growth, being a good person, being kind to others. And it, it, it actually had a good impact on me. But there was no way I was embracing any sort of religion. That wasn't happening. So anyway, there was two storyline talks that finally started making me crack. Um, the talks were chipping away at me, but this is the, the two turning points. The first was at a similar event like today, and a young man named Andrew came up on stage. He shared his struggles with, that he had with his father, and he did it the day after his father passed away. I couldn't believe he was up here the day after his father passed away and sharing his story, but he did it to hopefully change somebody's life, to hopefully make an impact, and it did. It changed my life that day. His words resonated with my struggles I had with my father, and it made me realize I wasn't alone. I'd never really felt that before. That week, also, Chelsea was out of town visiting some friends. So as we walked out, we were with some good friends of ours that now call Storyline their church as well, and then had mentioned how the, you know, some of the stories were kind of sad. And without thinking of it, I blurted out, especially if you have a father that doesn't love you. I'd never opened up in public about that. I'd never said anything like that, but I felt the grace, it just came out. And at that moment, nobody said a word, but Chelsea's best friend, Lindsay, just put her hand on my shoulder. And at that moment, it changed my life. I felt grace, I felt forgiveness, I felt I wasn't alone, I felt community. I never felt that before. And it made me feel great, grace, Compassion, love, forgiveness, community, all things that changed my path forever. A few weeks later would be the second, second time that changed my life here at Storyline. Mike Gathright was giving one of his great speeches, and at that time, he stopped and he said this. For those blaming God, why would God allow this? Why would God allow these things to happen? I ask you, and this is Mike saying, why would you allow this? And when he said that, it was like the tunnel. I sunk into my chair. I had spent 25 years asking the question, why would God allow this? And it felt like somebody just pulled an Uno card, Uno reverse card, right on me and said, here you go. It blew my mind. Why would God allow it? But why would I allow it? What am I doing to improve the world? What have I done to show grace, compassion, love, forgiveness, community? It has changed my life. I now feel purpose. Grace has given me a mindset of helping others, embracing community, something I would have never done in the past. When I first asked to speak today, I said no. I could not speak in public. What have I done to prove I'm worthy to even be up here today? Because grace, I'm up here today. I hope at least one person can relate with my story, just like Andrew hoped when he came up here. The community here is amazing. The band is outstanding. Free coffee had me there. Lots of friends. I mean, great conversations. A community. Um, the talks are amazing. They've changed my life in more ways than one. Um, and the one thing that brought me here, the kid port. It's amazing. So thank you to everyone that makes it happen.
Good morning, I'm Tiffany. Um, I grew up in a high-demand fundamentalist religion, and I spent a lot of time at church. Like, in 27 years of that religion, I spent just shy of a year's worth of hours at church. So given that intense religious education, it's funny that our topic this morning is grace, because that was the topic we talked about the least. The concept of grace was taught within the context of the atonement i.e. there would be no grace without the atonement. And it was taught with one specific scripture from our scriptures that said, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. So grace, in little Tiff's mind, was like a mercy that would kick in to save you, but only after you did everything that you were told to do, should do, or could do. Essentially, grace is earned. <sighs> that truth melted into my little psyche along with commandments to be therefore perfect and to pray unceasingly with the warning that the natural man is an enemy to God and would be unless he becomes like a saint. And because we literally believed scripture, I grew up thinking that I was God's enemy just inherently, and to make up for it, I needed to be perfect. But also, only Jesus was perfect, so I just needed to get as close to perfection as possible, and then hopefully God would judge in my favor. This mindset hardwired my little self-aware brain for incessant self-analyzation, followed by criticism, then judgment. My biggest reprieve from this pretty unhealthy cycle was music. The analyzation helped me improve during rehearsals, and then any criticisms I had of myself just helped me get better for my next performance. I didn't have time to make value judgments about myself because it just wasn't helpful to the musical process. But inevitably, um, sorry, I got to regularly experience and perform music growing up, and it is where I felt closest to God. I always felt loved in those moments, like I was enough. But inevitably, I had to come out of my music bubble and re-enter real life. And the nagging guilt and shame that I wasn't doing all I could do would wash back over me as I sat in my church pew my stomach in knots, and confusion setting in. I was the same Tiffany sitting in church as the Tiffany who sang a sacred work in German with her choir and the Philharmonic the night before and felt worthy, so why do I feel so unworthy now? Why do I feel so far from God's love again? I just didn't understand the moving target of holiness or God's unpredictable love. Fast forward several years through some college, marriage, two kids, and I still hadn't figured out to be, how to be consistently worthy. Even with all the joy I was experiencing, this way of being was just too heavy, so I dug in. In April of 2013, after months of obsessive research into the foundational truth claims of my religion, I left it. It was terrifying and liberating and joyful all at once. I could finally just think my thoughts and feel my feelings and I didn't have to judge them. But when you've built your whole life on a construct that comes crashing down, you have to sift through the rubble and pick up each piece and decide, is this garbage or is this worth keeping? Is it structurally sound enough to help me rebuild something beautiful? It was while I was kind of floundering in the midst of this process that I heard about Storyline. And I was like, church in the theater, yes, I will try it. <laughs> so it came. I got some coffee and I wandered into the auditorium, not really knowing what to expect, but being very impressed at the level of musicianship I was seeing on stage. 
And then Gathright had the audacity to stand up here and point to me, I'm sure he was pointing to me, and say, there is nothing you can do to get God on your side. And I thought, I knew it. <sighs> and he continued, because he already is. And I thought, I knew it. Immediately, unwell, started crying. Huge crocodile tears of validation. Mike's words unlocked within me a deep truth that I didn't know I already knew. I could feel the guilt and shame I had been carrying around for years start to lift. And in that moment, sitting here in the dark, I finally knew grace. Storylines started me down a path of radical spiritual education based in grace, open-mindedness, community, and the conviction of the holiness of our human experience. I don't need to tie myself in knots anymore trying to prove that I am worthy of God's grace because I've come to understand what I have been experiencing my whole life, that grace is already here. It's all around us in the living and loving of life. God's grace has never required my worthiness to receive it because I had it all along. Doesn't matter, cause darling, we're all a little splintered and bad. 
Wow, what a, what a morning, what a beautiful morning, with, what beautiful stories. Thank you um, to all of our friends who are willing to share those stories. They'll be in the lobby waiting for us. And as we go, may you know that your story matters. May you fall in love with the journey and know that you too are worthy, not because of anything that you've done or how many gold doubloons you've collected, but you are worthy because God says so. May you be connected to the we and find the power through grace, through the power of connection. And may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday, friends. Thank you for listening to The Gathering from Storyline Church. Have a blessed week.